1: I can't compete physically, so I've got to work on my sex appeal, my body language, my conversation skills. I've got to work on these things. You've got a choice. Either you quit, become bitter, buy a cat, or you take action.
0: Do you ever wonder what makes a man go for a woman or a woman go for a man? It's funny dating because it feels almost, and and this is especially true when you're married or coupled up, it feels almost peripheral. Uh, you're not dating anyone and perhaps your friends aren't really anymore. And this idea of going to meet a new person just feels like a funny thing that a former you once did. A university student with a silly modern app of some sorts. But dating and mating, meeting the one, is at the heart of everything. And you only have to watch those David Attenborough nature shows to see how fundamental it is to who we eventually became. And so, with that as a bit of an introduction, I wanted to present today's guest. It's Kezia Noble. Now, Kezia is one of the top dating gurus, perhaps even the world's leading female dating and attraction expert. She has all sorts of courses for men who are anxious about meeting women on her website, kezia-noble.com, including... The seven-day mastery course made up of one-to-one training that she does with people. She helps men build up the confidence to approach women and then to think of stuff to say in the subsequent conversations, which is harder than it seems. I suppose we can all sit here sort of smugly, uh, those of us who are in relationships and go, oh God, it's just having a conversation. But that's a little bit harsh and we should remember that it is hard, you know, when you're in that sort of bar setting and there's music playing and you've done the hello and you've said a few jokes and stuff and then you've got like or well, two hours with someone with whom you have no frames of reference. So it is a bit tough, and she's got all sorts of tips for that. And I, I think those tips help not just for dating. I think they're really good for just socializing in general. So, you know, I was intrigued what it's like to be a dating guru and what kinds of things that Kezia has to help guys with. And I think this one will be fascinating for women too, to understand what the man approaching you or approaching your friend or daughter or whoever it might be is thinking or going through again that's kezia-noble.com you can get her free ebook 10 ways to get a woman interested in you she also has a big youtube channel under her name where she posts videos with tips and all sorts of things so go send her some love go subscribe or get in touch with her if you want some advice coming up on the podcast are episodes with american psychologist Todd Cashton about the art of insubordination basically how to protest as well as you know social relationships curiosity and a host of other fascinating things and then celebrity James Altucher I'll be talking I'll tell you all about him if you don't know who he is once we start chatting and the sniper with the record for the longest ever kill So it's going to be really interesting getting into his mind. But now you're on the edge of human dating and relationships with Kezia Noble. Kezia, thanks for joining me on the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm fine, thank you.
0: Oh, good, good. I'm so happy to have you here. I've watched you talking and stuff and you're amazing, really interesting, fascinating Stuff. Um, tell me a little bit about what it is that you do.
1: Okay, so I'm a dating and attraction expert for men. I don't help women because I always say that would be like the blind leading the blind. Um, I've been doing this since 2006. I've had my own company since 2010. That coincided with my book launch um, for my book, The Noble Art of Seducing Women. I did not pick that title. That was my publisher's choice. Um, I'd have picked something much more subtle than that, but the book has done very well. Um, and so I now have a team of 20 to 30 people around the world. And um, we help guys on our programs, um, on our courses online and in person to get better with women, you know, to learn how to approach women, how to build up interactions, make them more impactful, connective, how to build attraction, how to get a number, just to feel more comfortable with women, understand women better. And it's also just helps them improve their overall confidence. Right. And what
0: what is it you don't like about the, the book title they chose?
1: It's a play on my name, Noble, which is always very cringe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a, I know there's so much you can my surname's quite good for that. You could do so like your surname, that's probably a really that's a good one you can do a lot with.
0: Gold, always believe in your soul. Yeah. Everyone sings that at me, although Americans don't know what that is, so they'll just think I've made up a song. But you could put
1: a book called Go for Gold or, you know, something like this. Um, so they put a play on my name. I was like, oh, God. And then it was like seducing women. I was like, I don't like the word seducing. I would have preferred something to do with attraction or something like that. But uh, they said, no, it's to do with... They know better than me, essentially. They said, you know, when people are browsing on Amazon, there's certain keywords. And I was like, you know what you do? You do. I'll write the book. You do the marketing.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Like I know that feeling as well. You've got to sort of leave it in their hands. And I guess if I was someone who was employing the services of a dating expert, something I, I haven't yet done, um, and I probably won't now because I'm engaged. So oh, Congratulations. All things, Thank you. God, it's a weird thing saying I'm engaged, because it, it feels like you are uh, insisting that someone then say congratulations. <laughs> That's why I can't say, I, I, I can't introduce her as my fiance, because again, it feels like I'm showing off or that I'm expecting a congratulation.
1: Oh, no, you should. Look, it's, listen, I've I've been engaged, I've been married, I've been divorced, but the engagement part is wonderful. No, you've definitely got a you know, milk it for everything it's worth.
0: (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to milk it. I mean, look, it's, of course you think that because that is the end goal, I suppose, of every, I guess the marriage itself, you leave that to another person, like to sort that out. But the getting to the engagement part, that's, or or at least getting on the first date, I suppose. What kind of guys are coming to see you?
1: Okay. So we, the youngest that we've helped is 18, the oldest so far, 78. It was his daughter that she said, get off your ass, dad, (laughs) get on the course. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> he was a widow, poor thing. It was an awful like situation he oh, was in my. yeah, he was like he had had a terrible illness, which left him half paralyzed. uh, it was just just an awful story. i it just it's so amazing it's like seventy eight he just finally says, "I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to find happiness again, but that's like seventy eight very unusual, you know uh our average did you help him, yeah, of course, we did help him. what happened? We did our seven day mastery program and he got used to, he was actually quite good at talking to women. He was old school. Old people are good at talking. You know, it's the young people that are all (laughs) like tongue tied and and awkward. Old people kind of like, they come from a different era where people just spoke to each other more. So he was quite, he was a lot better than we thought. He was, you know, he's going for women who are like 60 and 70. He's not going for 25-year-olds.
0: This is, well, this is a, 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 a contentious thing in itself because I think of, you know, mothers of friends of mine and stuff who often are single and they're like, you know, 60-odd. And they go on these dating apps and all they can find are people who are like 80 as men, whereas the men who are 78 are going for 60 they're they're all right, you know. So a 60-year-old man can go out of a 40-year-old woman... Whereas a six-year-old woman is basically stuck looking after somebody, you know, in a retirement home.
1: Why don't they just change their search options and put younger men? Look, I don't use dating apps and we can talk about that. Um, I don't use dating apps, but I do know how they work. I have trialed them. I had to do like, obviously I had to do my research on them. So I do know that you can change the settings for like, you know, what you're looking for. And, And age is one of them that they allow you to do. But uh, just going back to your initial question about um, the kind of guys, the average guy that comes to us, I would say average is actually around kind of like between sort of, it's getting younger to be honest, but I would say average would be late thirties. And that's because a lot of our guys at that age are like, you know, coupling up, they're settling down, they're not, they're in that kind of, it's a weird time in their lives when they sort of want to go out still and have a good time. They still have that energy, but there's a they're they're becoming an old man also. (laughs) And they feel a bit awkward maybe going out to a nightclub at like 38 or 39. They shouldn't, but that's how they feel. So a lot of guys are sort of left stranded. They're like, where are my buddies? You know, they're all sitting at home with their fiancés and wives and kids, and I'm sort of on my own and I've got no wingman anymore. So what do I do? A lot of them come out of long-term relationships because a lot of people – they're in relationships all the way through their early thirties and then suddenly nothing happens. And then again, they left stranded because a lot of people in relationships neglect other areas of their lives, which is understandable. Um, they sort of neglect their friendships, their hobbies, things like that. Sometimes even their career, um, their appearance. And then something happens unexpectedly, sometimes not unexpectedly. And then they're sort of like at ground zero we're helping a lot of people who are like in that position also but we help guys also who are very good with women in fact and they just want to push the envelope a little bit and get like a higher caliber of woman or a certain type of woman it's it's such a
0: complex thing isn't it because i suppose you you want to think that you fall into a relationship rather serendipitously that you sort of you know you're just sort of matched and it works and then the idea of maybe having rigid rules that you find from a, a teacher of sorts that that sort of goes against that i mean is this something that you can teach i can imagine i i know what you're gonna say
1: <laughs> no, you can teach it but i am with you like it does it does feel like it takes away the magic you know you feel like and we've all been there like you know all my pre I, like i said i don't use dating apps and things and all my previous boyfriends it was through like chance and it was just something about him and i was at the right place at the right time or and it, we had that chemistry. I get it. But there's some point where you, if someone hasn't experienced that or they haven't experienced it for a long time, then they, they, they've got a choice. I mean, you can, you can always just have that kind of what if, you know, it might happen, but you've got to also be realistic and think it might not. So I need to take measures. I need to know when I do meet a girl that I like that I'm not just kind of like hoping you're wishing upon a star that chemistry unfolds, it can happen. And that's what we all want, obviously. But I think we've got to be realistic, especially now we're living in a time where there's a sort of artificial um, abundance. There's an artificial abundance of uh, potential partners. And that's what, again, social media and the dating apps provide is this artificial abundance. Uh, idea that, you know, it's just everybody's replaceable and there's always somebody next to take that person's place. And that, you know, that makes it very difficult for people to build connections with each other. Imagine, you know, feeling like you're just like one click away from being replaced. I mean, that was not the case 20 years ago. People gave each other, I think, more of a chance than just maybe five-minute conversation. Well, it's also
0: easier to meet people, I think, because you've got all those apps. I mean, those apps came into place, really got popular after I was already in a relationship. So I, I wasn't able to really give them a go. Um, but, I mean, I, I, are you getting people who are just really struggling? Do you ever get incels coming to you?
1: No. No, they are... Uh they are in a, c- a category that doesn't want to be helped.
0: Okay. Oh, we should say what they are as well. I'm just I'm just thinking for people you know, involuntary celibates. A group of people invol they're often perhaps some say unfairly linked to uh, school shootings and things but you know, in- involuntary celibates people who who believe that they are celibate or un- are unable to have sex because because they are so unattractive. And it's often not the case, although I know I'll get shouted on YouTube because they don't like, they say, oh, no one would go for me because I'm unattractive. I think sometimes they don't want to look at the fact that they're not employing perhaps some of the techniques that you would teach or they're not being charismatic enough and then they get angry and go, oh, it's easy for you to say and all that stuff. So it's quite complicated, isn't
1: it? It is very complicated, but I was on a debate uh, on YouTube. I don't do debates, um, especially the ones with the live chat. I just feel like it's being in the Coliseum. (laughs) And... um... I was debating with, uh they're called black pills. I mean, black pillars or something. I mean, so many pills now. There's a red pill, the blue pill. I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, whilst you guys are like choosing pill colors, I'm helping guys actually get results. That's what I said to them. Um, and it's just like, they want to be in a group. Uh, and so I was debating with him and he believes that if you're below a five, by the way, that's already, you know, quite subjective what a five is. But if you are below a five, and he puts it down to jawline and height and things like that. And um, he said, if you're below a five, you've got no chance. If, no, if you're below a five, you've got very low chance. If you're below a the three, then either you get surgery or you go to Thailand. You've got two options. I was like, what? It's like, So I said to him, have you ever slept with an ugly man? He's like, no. I said, well, I have. Like physically unattractive man. If you took a photograph of him, you'd say he's a three, but I was attracted to him. There's looks and there's attraction. Do looks help? Who's going to say it's not going to help? It's a huge agenda looks, you know, it's advantage, not agenda, sorry. It's a huge advantage for both men and women. But this is precisely, again, why I don't use dating apps. I know that most of the guys I slept with are good looking. I'm not going to, you know, deny that. But there are this section, which two of them were what I consider a three, and a lot of them guys who were average at best, at best. And if I'd seen them on the dating app, I would have immediately said, not my type, thank you very much. But because I met them in person, it was something about their character, something about the way they looked at me, the way that they uh, interacted with other people. And attraction is so multidimensional, very complex. There's people, and I'm sure you, I don't know how long you've been with your fiancé, but I'm sure you had girlfriends before.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Well, so, you know, theoretically. You, she's not your childhood sweetheart. <laughs> no, she's not. Theoretically, it might be possible there were ones before. Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, um, and sometimes we don't know why we're attracted to people. Like, you know, she or he's not even... That good looking, like why do I keep thinking about them? And I find that interesting. That's what I like to do. I like to look at those kind of cases and say, right, let's break it down. They don't know what they're doing. It's my job to work out what they're doing. I love doing that. I find like social dynamics, um, the little games that we play intentionally or unintentionally, the way that we feel attracted to somebody and we don't know. I find these. I find that so interesting, and I do believe it can be passed on. And it can be copied and pasted. I do believe believe that because I've done it myself and I've seen other people do it. So when you look at people like the Black Pill community from that community and people, as you call them, incels, they've given up. They've given up. Um, Every guy that comes to me, I always say to them, you know, there's one thing that you all have in common. And that is that you... Truly love yourself, and I know that sounds really cringe, but I mean it in the truest sense of the word when you love yourself so much that you don't accept what the outcome's going to be you you believe that you deserve better, you know you 're in a bad situation, but this can't this predicament can't be your long term future, and you deserve better in life now that the only people that feel like that are people who really cherish themselves who love themselves. And in the deepest sense, I mean, people who kind of, it's not even, it, it goes, it's like some people might say it's just self-belief. That's all it is. I think it's more deeper than that. I think people who genuinely who, who generally sit there and say, I, I'm not having this. I'm taking action. I don't want this life. I, I deserve better. I think that's something else.
0: A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, at the same time, I don't want to, you know, have no sympathy for them. If they feel or, or they are looked at by others as being a three out of 10 for looks or whatever, it is going to make it harder. Uh, that's just a fact. And then, but I also think there were some guys I knew at school who were like 10 out of 10s, you know, all the women loved them and they never developed a personality because they probably didn't have to. So I think there are different sides to it. I mean, so let's say someone who is, well, whether they're a three out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, they come to you. What are the three sort of common sticking points that that, that men come to you with?
1: The three mo- most common sticking points is approach anxiety. Um, that's the feeling of, you know, actually feeling anxious about going up to someone because you don't know what to say and the deep-rooted fear of rejection that comes along with it. But there's a lot of guys who it's just like, I don't know what to say. No one's ever taught me this. Um, the second one is actually running out of things to say. That's a big one. Just going up to a girl, great opener, she responds positively. And then you're like, uh, so what do you do for a living? And then the, the conversation becomes very anodyne, very bland. It's very important that part because that essentially is your your sales pitch, that conversation. When I say sales pitch, I mean, what are you bringing to the table? How are you gonna benefit her? I'm not talking about financially or anything like that. I mean, are you somebody who's, you know, are you a positive guy? Um, are you funny? Um, what is it that women like about you? What do you like about you? I always say that to my students, what do you like about you? And then they tell me, well, I like this. And I'm, I, you know, I'm I'm very A, B and C. And I say, well, how often do you communicate that within the first five minutes of the conversation or allude to it? They said, never. And I thought, well, how, why should she invest in the conversation then? This is your sales pitch. So the conversation is not just about having a good conversation. It's about, communicating your value and the qualities that you you have that will build attraction so there's the conversation part and then the last uh the third most common sticking point is escalation and that's showing intent flirting seduction sexual escalation because if you don't do that you can end up in the friend zone and that's another um, very common reason why guys come to me, they say, I keep getting friend zoned. And it's down to the fact that he is too scared to escalate, or he doesn't know how to,
0: I feel like the friend zone is um, maybe mm, disingenuous as a word. And it's sort of, a, I mean, if I if I had a, a friend of mine who was a woman who want, you know, wanted a relationship and I didn't want it. I might say something as a bit of an excuse, like, Oh, friend zone. But what it really means is I just, because your, your, your eventual girlfriend and wife or whatever is also your friend, isn't it? So it's the friend zone is almost like an excuse to let someone down gently. Maybe.
1: Well, you know, that's you doing it to a woman when a woman does it to the man. Um, it's, it's because he, he hasn't made a move. Essentially. It's, women don't really friend zone guys who make a move. They'll just say, I'm not interested. And then usually block contact from that guy because not, you know, they might be polite about it, um, but they realize that, okay, if I see this guy again, that's going to happen again. He's going to make another move. But if the guy just avoids, um, you know, making any move at all, then what happens is the woman kind of convinces herself that, you know, yeah, he just likes me as a friend. And she's quite comfortable with that because girls like having male friends. It's fun. Um, but yeah, but no, it's like 99% of the time it's because the guy hasn't made a move. And so he just prolongs it and he's just sort of hoping at some point. And I've friend zoned guys and I've seen people be friend zoned. And the guys are just hoping, they're just hoping that she'll have a change of heart. You know, she'll she'll go out with this guy for a little bit and she'll realize like, what a bastard he is. And then she'll come to him and cry on his shoulder and they'll make sweet love that night. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it only really happens in the, in the Jennifer Aniston movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the rom-coms. So someone's got approach anxiety, they come to you, what do you tell them? Because I, I can't think of a more, I mean, in terms of. I mean, we must all to an extent have approach anxiety because going up to just someone you don't know and just saying there's something about what you physically look like. So I've come over to talk to you. I hope you like what I physically look like and what I'm going to say and stuff. That's scary, isn't it?
1: Well, first of all, there's two types of way of approaching. There's the direct and indirect. So the one that you alluded to there is direct, which is... Is you go up to a woman and you tell her straight away, Hey, I, I think you're hot, or you know, you beautiful dress, whatever you know, that's di- that's called direct. Um, and then indirect is like a situational observation, you know, don't you think the music here is like really not on point? Or, um, you could do a recommendation, one, uh, you could ask an opinion opener, we call them, and their situation, um, sorry, they are indirect. But direct, um, so the, first of all, that's what I say to my students. It's like, you know, what would you prefer to learn? It's better to learn both, really, because there's going to be some environments and situations where one works better than the other. Um, but the main thing that we focus on, actually, is not the opening line. It's the transition from the opening line to the conversation. So we call this, the it's, called, it's a transition point, and that's where most men fall apart like a cheap suit. As I said earlier, you know, they'll go up to a woman, Hey, how are you? My name's so and so She's like, "Hey, my name's and then he's like, "Uh, right, so what do you do And then the transition's like really awkward, if you can give an opening line and use that response to really smoothly transition into having an amazing conversation, if you know how to do that and actually you don't have approach anxiety because what we found, and this is me you know from this is my experience of doing this for years is if you just focus on the opening line and overcoming approach anxiety, all that confidence that they've built unravels when they realize that they're running out of things to say and they're not getting to step B. So I put a huge focus on conversation skills of that transition. Like if she says this, say that. You know, if she tells you this, this is how you should respond. This will be more engaging than if you said this. And then once they know how to, to go to step B, step A, which is the approach, is much easier.
0: What well, it's so hard because then you sort of start thinking about conversation, and I start obviously. You know, I have a conversation every day, and uh, you don't really think too much about what goes into it. But again, we're sort of talking about teaching what goes into conversation with someone you have no frame of reference with. Uh, it's easy to have a conversation with you because we know what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's easy to have a conversation with my girlfriend because you know we have these shared references. Your fiance. Fiance, I didn't want to show off again, but with my lovely fiance, because uh, we we have so many shared references and histories and all these kinds of things that we can talk about. So someone you don't know, you have no reason to be talking. And, and also the indirect one, there's this thing of like, that that's being unsaid. There's an elephant in the room, which is like, there's obviously a reason I'm talking to you then. So the woman's probably trying to work out or what is it? Cause he likes me. What's going on? So what kind of things would you suggest that someone talk about?
1: Okay. So there's a lot of, uh, okay. So with, <laughs> let me just address one of those points. Um, obviously it is difficult to just go and approach somebody. We do do it in like parties, you know there's icebreakers we go up to people but yeah it's less kind of potentially awkward because we've all been invited to the same you know and we the function or whatever it is and we c we've got a point of reference which is you know the fact that we all know the person that invited us or, or something like this It's we all have a point of reference but you can still find a point of reference with people that's what we teach with people that you, you know complete strangers so i'll talk about that in a second, Um, just to go back to your point about if a woman, if you speak to a woman and you go indirect and she's thinking, oh, is he, is he, is he, or isn't he trying to chat me up? They all know. Okay, guys, <laughs> a message for you. They all know. But I think a lot of women, I prefer direct. I much prefer direct because I like a man personally who's like, just, you know, says, you know, goes for what he wants, not interested in And what other people think. I I like that kind of guy, but some women they like the charade. They like to sort of almost lie to themselves a little bit and say, "Mm, "Yeah, he does just want a recommendation." (laughs) Yeah, he is just asking my opinion because they feel that that way it's kind of like they've had some sort of control over the situation, rather than when a guy goes over to a woman, he's got the he's he's got the control. Whereas if a guy doesn't direct, she can sort of play along with this charade. I think, no, oh, yeah, he got to know me a little bit and then the traction built and he got to like me and it's like, no. But deep down she knows, deep down, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> so what was the question, was the um, best way to open someone, was that?
0: Well, I suppose, or, or just conversation, just what, what can you talk about when you have no frames of reference?
1: Okay, so let's talk about, so let's look at this. Um, a common thing that people ask each other is, where are you from? Okay. I always say to my students, let's look at what you are going to be asked and what you're going to ask her. What do you do and where are you from? They're the two questions that always come up. Now we always have a choice here. We can either give a boring response that won't create what we call multiple threads in a conversation. I am getting very geeky here. I'm aware, but you know, you have to because you can't just say to someone, Hey, have a great conversation and good luck. You know, um, so. An example would be if she says, where are you from? And you say, I'm from, I'm from London. Let's say she's, she's not, she's from another country. And the next question usually she'll say is, Oh, you know, do you like it there? They, they, they will always, people respond with very boring, uh, kind of follow up questions. They just do. People are lazy. Okay. So you've got to be the one doing the work here. I believe because if you're interested in her, you've got to do the work. She's just going to give you bog-standard responses. So she asked, you know, do you like living in London? Or what's it like? And are you going to go into tour guide mode and start saying, well, yes, London's very nice. We have lovely parks. It's a bit expensive, though. It's a bit cloudy. Or are you going to use it as an opportunity to have a very stimulating conversation and convey what I call high-value data about yourself? So my example would be, and I'll I'll rush through this a little bit, but if someone said to me, if I wanted to impress someone, and someone said to me, "You know, what's it like living in London? I would say, hmm, okay. So first of all, it's an incredible, uh, we have an incredible melting pot of different cultures, which I really like. So I like to just meet new and interesting people. We've got fantastic parks, uh, which is great because you don't always wanna be in the gym. You wanna sometimes have a, a nice run with some nice scenery. What else can I tell you about London? I don't know. You know what? It's got this incredible energy to it. And look, I've been to Tokyo. I've been to LA. I've done it all. And they have their own energy. Every city has its own energy, but London has like this undercurrent of excitement and it's really hard to explain. So that's a more interesting answer. But also I've shared four um, high value pieces of data about myself. One, I'm a sociable person, that was the first one, melting pot of people. So you can't say I'm a sociable person, obviously not. So you have to allude to it. The second one is that I keep fit. And the third third one was that I'm well traveled. Notice how I threw in Tokyo there. You you could have just been to one co- one country and that could be Japan, and people will think you're a jet setter. Um, <laughs> cuz Tokyo is just like what.
0: Yeah, also not racist. Oh yeah. The melting pot, no, pot I even thing, think not about racist. The one. Because you're so not racist.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. And the last one was, um you know, I'm excited. I'm attracted to exciting experiences. So it's very important. We p- people just kind of like go into autopilot mode. A lot of guys say, you know, yes, the approach went well, and then it got really boring, and she kind of got bored. It's like, yeah, of course she's going to get bored. There's four other guys that are trying to get her attention. You know, what are you say? Like, it's not to do with you. You're not like a boring person, I say to them. Because when I sit down with all my students, you know, they've got hobbies and interests and just like um interesting opinions on things. But they just don't share it when they're in conversation because they're going into this kind of what I call polite detachment. Chit chat is polite detachment. You can't really build excitement and interest and be really engaging if it's just chit chat. But if you're going, most men are going in a mind, with a mindset when they're talking to a woman of playing not to lose rather than playing to win. And I always say to them, well, if you're playing not to lose, you have to look at what am I losing here? And they're not losing a great deal. They think, oh, I've made this much progress with the woman. I don't want to lose that. So they sort of keep to that same tempo rather than being bold. Um, they always say fortune favors the bold. And I, I actually believe it, uh, here to be, to be true. Um, So they, you know, they won't maybe flirt with her. A lot of guys don't do that. A lot of guys don't, um uh, they're not cheeky. Cheekiness is a great way to um sort of start the flirtation process. Uh Girls do like cheeky guys, not rude, not offensive, but cheeky and playful. As long as he can take the, it's banter, as long as he can take it back. And guys feel very, very comfortable doing that with women they're not particularly interested in. But as soon as it's a woman they're interested in, it's like, oh, okay. Got to make a good impression. Got to make a good impression. And when they're thinking good impression, they become the nice guy. They become a filtered version of themselves. And women do the same thing when they're with men. They become something else suddenly. And the guy's like, "Mm, you know, it's a bit boring this, isn't it? Because we're all playing not to lose when we like somebody, which is the wrong thing
0: when I was younger, and and did approach women, and I, I am sorry to, to, to my fiance to, to bring it up. But um, I was very nervous and anxious about talking to, to them. And I think I thought, at the, if I had a good first couple of minutes, I was very tempted to sort of give my number, and then just get out of there. And I think it's what you're saying, like not losing, like I've had a good few minutes, it can't go better for the next hour or two, really, on the first time we've seen this, each other. I mean, is that is that okay? Or is that a bad
1: idea? That's very good. No, what you've done without realizing. See, this is why I love like talking to guys, you know, and hearing their dating experiences because a lot of naturals, I'm, I'm not saying you're a natural, but, you know, you could be, I don't know. I have no idea, but. Probably, probably. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. What do I know? Okay. So um what you did is you, uh we called it, there's a technical word for it. When you you break rapport, that's what you did. You broke rapport. You went and reached a high point of the conversation, thought this is as good as it gets. I'm going to get the number now. If you'd have waited, what happens when you reach a peak in a conversation? There's a lull. And that's when most guys make the mistake of asking for a number. They they get awkward and go, oh, anyway, so it was really nice talking to you. Can I get your number? And the girl's like, no, I'm not really feeling it. And if she does give the number, what happens is when he tries to call her, the last memory that she associates with him is one of it's a lull, it's it's, it's not it's it's not exciting but with you or any guy that reach it stops at on a high point what do you, what happens is you leave your audience wanting more i want a bit more of that thank you so when you call her or you text her first thing that um reengages her is the the memory that she shared with you, that last memory.
0: That does make sense. That's it. And again, I'm still imagining a lot of people listening just going, "Oh, this sounds too much like a game." And those are the same people who complain about, you know, hard to get and and the games that go on in texting and stuff. And I just sort of think, well, if you look at the other sort of animals in the animal kingdom, that you know, the games they play are insane. All the all the funny colours and the flapping around and stuff. You know, do do you give much thought to the uh, the evolutionary theory about why you know it's, it tends to be men chasing women and that kind. of of
1: stuff i just thought that was a very detailed analysis of the animal kingdom (laughs) changing colors and flapping around
0: (laughs) (laughs) well we do a version of that don't we
1: yes i see men flapping around all the time i think it's the women that change their color they change their hair color women they change their makeup so women who are changing their kind of like it's women who are flapping around actually
0: <laughs> well the animals it's the men isn't it it's the, the they've all got the <laughs>
1: no of course no i'm joking yeah
0: but but yeah you know what you're the flapping around would be the stuff you're saying the colors are going
1: we call it peacocking peacocking and things yeah but look i don't honestly I, I i stay away from that whole part like the evolution like a lot of people talk about that like all oh, men are the hunter gatherer and the women at this i'm like i don't know i don't know I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care. <laughs> what I have here is men coming to me. They say, how do I get better of women? And I say, this is how you get better with women. I don't sort of, I just don't find it like beneficial. Um, I would just put it down to men are more horny and they want sex more than women. I'm sure there's going to be people who are going to turn around and say, no, you know, I'm a woman and I'm extremely, you know, horny and whatever, but... I think on the whole, men's urges are probably, on the whole, without, there are exceptions, are, oh, can we, can, am I allowed to say this? I know you used to work for the BBC, I have to be careful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've moved away from the BBC because I decided I wanted to say whatever I want. You can say whatever you want. You can swear, you can say fucking idiots.
1: I was going to say, I've, I've been really clean, like I've, I haven't said the F word. May I ask you something on my interview? or your interview, whatever it is. Is it your interview or my interview? It's ours. (laughs) 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 Okay, um, what was it that you really wanted to say when you were working for the BBC that was like the point where you said, fuck this, I'm out. I I cannot keep quiet about this one thing.
0: There were quite a few things. um, And and also I exaggerate, you know, when I say ex-BBC and all that, I made one documentary about exorcism that I sold to them.
1: Oh my God, that sounds interesting.
0: Yeah, a lot of the stuff I deal with really... Look, this, this podcast mostly deals with ideologies and cults and cult thinking and stuff like that. And also just interesting, weird, fascinating, whatever it, it might be. I'm really interested talking to you because that's such an integral part of who we are uh, and, and how we meet each other and how we form families and whatever. So. That was really interesting, but but one of the things I talk about is like woke culture uh, and stuff like that, and I think that was a big thing when it was the BBC because you you have to be so careful about what you say, and it's so nice to be able to have a YouTube channel and a, a podcast and to just be able to say whatever.
1: Yeah, but well, woke is woke is a is quite a wide spectrum. Like, is there something in woke that particularly was like, no, you know, this is you can't touch this?
0: Um, yeah. I, look, the, the thing that got me was every every interview i went to with a producer about a new series i wanted to make they said to me look you're going to have to be off screen because you're a white man and you know and, it, and look it's it's always the way that people
1: did you tell them you're jewish that doesn't count <laughs> does it i did tell them
0: that <laughs> eventually i did it didn't make any difference no at first i, I look at helped first... a bit no, no, it, it, the opposite. I got told that that was, that was like super white and there were too many Jews already. Yeah, Jews are super white. I know. Jews I know. are super
1: white. Oh my God. Oh my, I'm sorry. They're from the, they're, they're Semitic. They're not even technically white. You know, they're not technically, and you know, Anglo-Saxon, I think white, I, oh God, you know, Anglo-Saxon, Scandinavian, Germanic, Fre- I don't, you know, I, Jews are from the Middle East.
0: Well, well, they can be. And-
1: no, but I meant originally they are Semitic. Yeah. No, they're Semitic. That means their their bloodline is from.
0: I think. Well, yeah, but it depends because Ashkenazi and there's different kinds of. But the but the thing is, I know
1: the difference, but actually. That you can trace back, they're still Semitic.
0: Yeah. Well, look. I mean, here's the thing. Because of this whole thing, the fact that you and I are sitting here discussing bloodlines and things like that, a few years ago, I know it's so weird. Exactly. So that's that's the point. And look, you know, it's an, it's it's one of those things where when an ideology, when something happens to you, you start to care. So I didn't care before. I was like, who cares? Oh, the woke culture. Well, they're just trying to be nice or whatever. Then when it started happening to me, because I'm selfish it started to really bother me. And that's why I wanted to talk about a lot of that stuff. So that was some of the BBC stuff. And the thing is, the statistics didn't back it up. So I was going into meeting after meeting where people were saying to me, we need, you know, there's not, the minorities are not well represented. And I saw the statistics, the the statistics that they use and they show that that's not true at all. That actually uh, minorities were sort of twice as likely to be represented on TV and off TV. Another thing would be sort of uh, women are not Why aren't there female directors? Because I think only about twenty or thirty percent of directors on TV shows are women. But what they don't say is that the showrunners, which is a higher position than director, are eighty percent women. So it's just all this stuff. Where I thought, why can't we talk about this stuff out in the open? Um, and yeah, so that's what it is.
1: Okay, very interesting.
0: And I suppose you must get some of that as well because I think a woke culture might not be in favor of. I mean, uh, I I've heard you talk about like the dating gurus who tend to be men, they get a bad rap. Uh what do you think of that? They get it really bad, yeah.
1: Some of them deserve it. Um You know what? The dating the, the whole I, I don't I I people think I get a lot more shit than I do. Um I don't know if you want to call it woke or feminist. I don't know. They, they seem to not really care about what I do. And maybe they believe that I have better intentions because I'm a woman. It's maybe not coming from a bad place. Like I'm looking at it as there's a lot of women out there who are always complaining that they can't find a decent guy or guys don't know how to talk to them. So I'm showing guys how to do that. That could, which is true. And that's possibly the reason why, but there are a lot of guys out there. And it is more like, it's it's becoming something, it's more relevant now than it was. But a lot of them, and I'm not going to name any names, so please don't ask me to, but there's a kind of red pill movement um, and a manosphere, they call it. Yep. What and does that mean? There's a lot of them, manosphere. Oh, and red pill. Oh, it's, it's kind of connected to red pill. The red pill movement is... Well, you know the matrix. Do you understand the blue pill, red pill?
0: I know what this is. I just want you to explain it.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, of course. So blue pill is kind of like advice such as, you know, just be a good guy, be nice to the woman, listen to her. It's kind of like that more sort of popular culture kind of advice, you know, mainstream advice. That's blue pill. And they believe that that's just not going to get you anywhere. And that's something which has just been um, perpetuated by feminism and the... Um, and mainstream media, and I do agree to that to a certain extent. A lot of it is crap, and it doesn't work. And I think if you're too nice to a woman, she'll take advantage of you. Just like I believe if you're too nice to a man, it will take advantage of you. Um, and Red Pill is more like, no, this is what women want, and you need to be an alpha male, and you need to be the strong. You know, you you don't trust women. Um, it's, it's it's a lot of truth in the Red Pill, but there's a lot of like a negative side to it also there's a lot of truth. And a lot of what I teach is considered red pill, to be honest, which is no, women don't want a nice guy. Women want a great guy. They want an amazing guy, but they don't want a nice guy. And yes, there are women out there who will use guys for dinners and take advantage of guys. I, I do say all this, but they, I think a lot of them, these coaches They're not even coaches anymore. They're just people with YouTube channels. They're YouTubers. I think they're coming from a very bitter place. And that's when it starts getting twisted a little bit and toxic. So they have these shows. Some of your listeners, viewers will know what I'm talking about, but they have these YouTube channels where they bring on women and they humiliate these women. They sort of make it look like they're going to... What? Yeah, they have like a group of women They're you know... This is in America and the women are very young, intoxicated a little bit. And they sort of, you know, give them questions. They, they come, like they come on the show and they're very nice to them at first. And then what they do is they kind of like, not humiliate them, but they sort of, these women are not skilled debaters. These guys will put them in a corner where they admit things like for instance you do admit that when you hit 25 you expire women exp expiry dates 25 and no man will want you and they promote that but it's a very kind of like a, um like a jerry springer show it's becoming you've got and as i said it's like the Colosseum. you just look people are there for that live chat go on call her a landwell landwell pig face things like that 19 21 year old women not particularly educated and they go home and they look at those comments you know um yes it's their choice they were on there they know what happens on these shows but i, I always look and think well, what what are you how are you helping guys that are watching this it's so it's entertainment fair enough or are you helping guys but they're not even like selling a book or a product or anything they're just sort of using it as a way to just i think um, what's, what's the word I wanted to use? Um, humiliate to rant. Oh, to, yeah. No, not humiliate. A, when you, uh, purge yourself, you know, so when you look at a lot of these guys and there's hundreds of them, they've had very bad experiences of women and they've come into their own now. They're about usually between 35 and 50. And they've sort of taken the red pill, as they say. And now they realize, you know what? Fuck women. Fuck women. And because they're all like slightly older, these guys, they love the fact that they say, the big thing they say is women expire at 25. She loses all her sexual market value at 25. And I've tried to say, yep, tell that to Jeff Bezos who married a 52-year-old. Tell it to Simon Cowell who married a single mom who was 41. You know, these are very successful men, more successful than these guys could ever imagine to ever be. And they are marrying, dating women who are past 25. And the thing is, I do think most men prefer younger women for obvious reasons, of course. I mean, it's just another, like, it's a stupid thing if you're going to argue against that. But they are relentlessly going on about it. And I think this is a fuck you to that past girlfriend who fucked you over. And now she's probably in her early 30s, mid 30s, even late 30s. And you're having a go at all those women that rejected you you who are now your age that's what it's all about and they're coming from a very dark place these guys and i think that that's what's they're not giving look this is what you should do you can give your kind of theory with it your concept of female psychology and male psychology fine but give practical advice too like you know what do i do if a girl says this should i buy a drink on the first date i don't know whatever the question is and they're not offering that kind of um advice whereas when i was you know in the pickup community which gets a lot of um and i think a lot of unfair criticism some of it's fair but a lot of it's unfair they were actually giving advice at least to guys they were showing them a way out they weren't telling them to just sit there hate women and if she's past 25 don't talk to her pumper and dumper they're using language like this pump and dump you know um i went on this debate as i said on black pill and uh the things that were said to me were unbelievable. I had a lot of good feedback. I had a lot of guys saying, you know, she's absolutely 100% right. She's helping guys. But I had a lot of things, very sexual uh, things said about me in a very, uh, really derogative kind of way.
0: I'm sorry to hear that.
1: For me, no, it doesn't hurt me at all. No, but it doesn't hurt me at all. I'm very, very thick skinned, extremely thick skinned. But I just felt, my God, no one's helping these guys. They're just fueling this bitterness. Now, when I finished that, sorry, I'm going on a bit. Um, but just to my last point, when I finished that debate on that YouTube channel, my sales rocketed. I got. I remember I got to the office the next day and I looked. I I looked. I was like, oh my God, it's like we had programs booked out. And I said, these guys. I've been watching this channel, thinking, is there any. Thing out there that I, like a course or something that I can take to actually, um, help improve my circumstances. And then I realized, my God, they're not selling anything even these guys. So it looks kind of good. Like, oh, we're not trying to sell you anything. Well, no, they're getting ads on YouTube for that shock value, clickbait, humiliating women, uh, getting people riled up. Um, so they are making money, but yeah, that's a good point. They not, they, they can't teach you anything. They don't have a product to sell because what would be on that product? nothing.
0: Anyway, rant over. No, I think what you're describing, it it encapsulates what I find difficult, both about sort of the woke side and the conservative, regressive, sexist, horrible side as well. And it's, it's just the lack of nuance on both sides. And I think on the woke side of things, when they want to have a go at, you know, people like you who just want to, basically state facts about certain types of men and certain types of women from your experience of them and you know they want to go oh no that's not true because every everyone's just the same anyway or whatever you know they're just ignoring reality sometimes and then on that other side just negativity just horribleness and it's not helping anyone
1: i've had more it's so weird like i've had more problems and bad attention from that kind of people who are saying they're trying to help guys um these you know people in the red pill community than the woke community and i was thinking but it shouldn't be that surely it should be the other way around
0: well that's maybe because you're a woman as well i don't know maybe the men would would get it worse from you know those kind of men pickup artists would get it more from the woke side
1: but i'm not just that but it's like i'm i'm 42 i have a child i'm very successful a lot more successful than them I own it. I tell my age to everyone. They know I like younger men. You know, they all know what I I like and I own it. And it's kind of like, we can't hurt her. Like she doesn't look like the standard 42 year old. So I get, so I get all the stuff like you've had work done. You've had this done. One day your Botox is going to collapse. I was like, "I've, I've not had any work done, but you keep going. Thank you for the compliments.
0: People are insane. Imagine that. Imagine saying that to someone. Or something they must be very damaged, hurtful. I mean, look, I get. I am not involved in that world at all, and I get every day horrible, horrible messages just because I got a YouTube channel, and just because there's, there, you know, if one percent of the of the world are psychopaths, and you got what seven billion, eight billion people in the world, that's like I can't do the maths, but it's like a million, or ten million, or hundred million.
1: <laughs> Why do you get hate for having a YouTube channel? Sorry, I don't understand. Who have you? Have you interviewed anyone controversial?
0: Oh yeah, quite a lot. But, but most of them are, I mean, even, even, well, even you are, right? So someone could, someone could write a message about you now and then they'll go, and who's this bloody, who's this stupid Chad or whatever the words they use are,
1: Chad. you know, they could you use- <laughs> No, you're a Chad. They'll call you a Chad. Yeah. They'll, they'll say something, they'll look at you because you're a nice looking guy and they go, what the fuck does this Chad know about our struggles yeah, and stuff? I've had <laughs> no, that. What does this bitch know? <laughs> what does this Botox bitch know? i hope they both die yeah
0: and i just think that's a reasonable response to give to somebody who's just got a youtube channel is just helping people to get dates and stuff that's a reasonable thing to say and they, i i try and kill them with kindness sometimes so that they can then look at their message you know and, and it's often not about dating or anything most of my episodes might be about cults and then i'll get some old scientologist or scientologist going like you don't know anything the lord zenu will come and kill you and all this and I just like, thank you for messaging And I say something like that, and then they often write again, and sometimes then they're nice because they realize how ridiculous they've been. They go, Oh, I didn't expect you to reply. Uh, maybe I was a bit harsh in the first one when I said that I hope your family's murdered in a horrible accident or whatever, you know, but uh, hello, thanks for replying. So
1: that's a good, that's a good strategy. I mean, I just wouldn't have the time. My channel's quite nice. People on my channel know that. They'll just get blocked if they. You can be critical. I don't mind, but if you're going to be rude, you get blocked. So I have a really nice flow on my channel. Um, but when I go and do people's debates and interviews, woo, they come out all the haters. They come out, and I just I know they're basement dwellers. I know they're sad. I know they hate women. You know, and it's like it's, it's it's pitiful. But I know if I met them in real life, they wouldn't say that to me. I've got a me, I'll say things, but.
0: A gob for non-British people is a mouth, and it means you can be mouthy or, or insult and say things like that. Just in case, I don't know. If, I don't think. I don't think gob is outside.
1: My kid hates it. He's like, "Can you shut up now, mommy? Everyone can hear you shouting." <laughs> like when I complain, <laughs> shut it's up, like, mom. shut you, up you, mommy. Shut up, mommy. Sounds golly. like your
0: kid might. Your kid might inherit some of those traits, perhaps, and hopefully so. Right? I, I I think they're good traits to have. Why do we? I want to get on to. We've got about ten minutes left, right? And I want to get on to to why we attract the people that we don't really want and struggle to attract the people we do
1: want. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? I mean, you're not in that, you're in the state of bliss right now, but and I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> but oh my god, I mean, everyone will know that at some point there's someone you really like and they just don't like you the same way and you've got someone and it's usually around the same time who's on your case. And you're like, why is it you? Why are you the one phoning me? I don't even, like, I'm being horrible to you now and you're still phoning. And this person, I do everything for this person. I'm nice, I'm funny. I I wear my best clothes for this person and they're not interested. Okay, it's so frustrating. And I've been there and I've been the person who's done it to someone and I've been at the receiving end. What happens is when you like something, you like somebody, you start running what I call (laughs) anti-game. I came, I came up with this. So it's anti-game is essentially when you really like someone and you're enthusiastic and you know, you can't, you know, when you see them, you're, you're keen and you can't hide it. You try and hide it. You try and camouflage it, but it's in the eyes and they know, you know, like you're just excited to see them and you're enthusiastic. But at the same time, it clashes with your fear of doing anything about it. And that, that clash creates anti-game. Now, when you're with someone that you're not interested in, what do you like? You know, whatever. You're yourself. First of all, you're really, really yourself. You've got a, a take it or leave it attitude. You don't like me, there's a the door. You know, this is me. And 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 that's it. Um and it comes across like you have an abundance mindset without realizing it the p- person thinks oh this person's not that interested in me they must have loads of other options they must be really busy and these are just things that generally people find attracted um attractive about another person they don't we don't we're not attracted to people like loners who are moping around waiting for the phone to ring you know but if you're like with someone who's not interested in you you kind of get that impression that they are that cool person who's just like so busy and has other options which is just attractive um, so what I say to my students and what I have to do to myself, first of all, you need incredible discipline. So if my student says, look, I really like this girl, but she's not interested in me. I say, well, you've got to do with her what you do with the girls that you're not interested in. And they say, oh, okay, that'll be easy. <laughs> so I say, well, if she, for instance, texts you, you probably text back five minutes later. You know, some guys will say, no, I'll wait it out for like two hours But not anything more than that. Because why? They think they're going to lose her. They think they're going to fuck up. With the girl they're not interested in, they'll genuinely forget for two days. (laughs) Like genuinely forget. It's not even a game. And they'll be like, why is this girl still bugging me? Duh. It's because you're, you're making her wait. You're, you know, you are doing the things that are going to make her... Are going to reverse the role slightly and she's going to feel like she needs to chase you she needs to get your attention you're this busy guy of other things going on the other girl that you like she knows you're going to reply in an hour two hours she knows she can see you whatever she wants she knows that she could just say hey let's go out for dinner and you'll drop everything and you'll go meet her and you'll probably put on some little thing like i need to check my diary first so, please you're going to be there at seven o'clock now, so I say to them, look, that's the discipline part. That's where you've got to sit there and go, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to text her for like two days. It's so hard. They, people usually cave in because they're so scared they're going to lose that person. So that's that's the secret for why. People can, they can almost smell neediness on someone. So even if you really camouflage it, and there are ways to camouflage it. I'm, I'm very good at it now. I'm really good. But it's not watertight. There's always the human, you know, it's kind of like just the reaction in your eyes or the way that you see them or you let them touch you. You know, people you don't really like, you're kind of a bit like that when they start coming (laughs) too near you. You do little squirmy things and you're not, you you don't even mean to, just like you go like that a bit. But if somebody you really like, I'll give you an example. I met a guy, um, actually he's a famous, he's quite famous, he's very famous, not going to lie. And we went for a drink and, um, We went outside to the smoking area and he put his coat around me. It was very, very cold and he put his coat around me. And then we were talking for like an hour and he said, my coat's on the floor. Can I have it back? And I was like, huh? Like that. He's like, you've been sitting in the freezing cold for an hour and haven't noticed. And that's because I was so into him. I was just like... Fancied him so much, and little signs like that you can see in people. Like they, they just seem to have a lot of time. They want to stay with you for longer. They don't seem to have anywhere to go when they're with you. They don't seem to be rushing off. Think about the people that we don't like. We're always sort of rushing off. We've got we are sort of looking at our phone. We're you know we're not fully engaged. We look a little bit bored, and that actually very sadly makes the other person think. Oh, you know, I want this person to like me. What do I need to do to you know create some interest here?
0: So you have to suppress
1: your your real feeling but that person no you can't no 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 okay. no no, no. you can't change your re- f- real feelings you can try and think about it have you ever talked yourself out of liking someone i haven't no but you can act cool yes yeah so you hide it i said i prefer camouflage and suppress i would say suppress means you yeah you're trying to suppress but you can't beat it you, you like that person but so this this person you were seeing, Leonardo DiCaprio, so what... No, not quite that famous dear. And he only goes out with under 25s apparently. Yeah, that's so.
0: true actually. Okay, but you, okay, you I'm trying to guess who it is. So you like younger people. So you're 42, was it? So he's probably 37. Uh,
1: oh no, no, I like young, young. Oh, so he's like, like 22. He's
0: 22, this guy?
1: No, he's actually an older guy, believe it or not. See, that's the thing. I have a type, which is young men. You might have a type, but we often are attracted to people who are not our type.
0: Okay, so you like this guy. I would have thought if I were him and you you've he've let his coat fall on the floor, I would think maybe you're not into me because you you didn't really want to accept.
1: No, but I was talking to him. Yeah. No, I put it on and we were like so the conversation was so intense and I was so invested in him in that moment that it slid off and I didn't feel the cold. Now, think about it. I've been with a guy that I'm not interested in. I would have been huddled with the coat complaining about the weather, going, "When are we going to go back inside now?" You know. <laughs> i wouldn't be sitting out there you know you you're not fully invested in the moment so you're sort of looking at Do you think you blew it with him um no men are slightly different men are like well (laughs) if i'm still gonna get sex tonight it's like i don't care if she's needy (laughs) that's the difference between men and women men will still it takes a lot for a man to say no to a beautiful i'm not saying i'm beautiful but i I was beautiful to him okay he found me beautiful and i think it takes a lot for a man to say no to a woman that he's physically attracted to whereas with women it's attraction is again it's less about looks and urges it's about it's it's about what they're they're more audible women you know they what, what the guy's saying his presence, his character, things like that. Neediness can put off a woman very quickly of sleeping with a man. Whereas men, they'll be like, eh, "Okay, that's a bit ick, but I'll still fuck her."
0: Sorry, I'm being crude about it, but when I met my fiance all those years ago, I think I was so taken by her that I was quite needy, and it did. I think it was off-putting for the first few weeks. And it definitely didn't. It didn't help. It would have helped had I been. Uh, a little cooler but i couldn't i hope she, she she'll be listening to this uh, i could not uh hold back i just couldn't uh camouflage in that in that instance
1: you know what there's a difference between showing neediness and and being keen maybe you were showing like you were very keen rather than needy i think i was a bit maybe. i was a bit
0: needy as well i wonder do you think do you give much uh, credence to the to that is that groucho marx quote which is i would never be in a club who would have me as a member uh, do you think there's some of that like if yeah if we have such low expectations or thoughts about ourselves that if someone if someone seems that keen and into us they can't be that great
1: yes and no again this is why I like kind of younger guys i think um you know they have a sort of excitement about then they get very excited and they you know see something new and shiny and i think you can kind of like say no that's fine because they're young i think if an older guy was acting like that with me i'd be like Really? You know, I, 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 it would be more unsettling. There are different rules for older guys and younger guys, there are different rules. I mean, there are the attraction principles which remain the same for both, but there's a slightly different style, you know, this is why I have some
0: sympathy for incels and stuff because they're saying, you know, oh, it's easy for you to say because you're a whatever, you might be out of 10. I, I watched your interview with Chris Williamson, for example, and, and he's a he's been on here as well. I've been on his and I, I'm a huge fan of, of his. But I, I wondered, he, he mentioned at one point, he mentioned like girls coming over to him and saying, oh, my friend likes you. And he's like, oh, I don't like that because what do you do, you know? That has literally never happened to me in my life. But he spoke about it as if that's a common thing that happens to men. And he happens to be like a supermodel. So- yeah i see there are differences in i I don't think that's ever happened that i've been in a bar and like a woman's come over my friend really likes you you know and i think that's not that's not necessarily something that happens to that that many men
1: yes uh, but we've put looks are huge advantage of course um most guys yeah even the kind of cute ones haven't had that before um you've been dealt not you you're an attractive guy physically i think you are um (laughs) but you're taken (laughs) and you're pretty too old (laughs) I'm I'm way too Um, old for you
0: I'm 33
1: oh god no you've expired darling you've expired expired years ago no but seriously um, look you've this is the card that a lot of people have been dealt that's it there's no point like yes you can maximize your looks you know as much as you can but at the same time you know it's a pig and lipstick at the end of the day um (laughs) so you've got to work on other things so I'll give it a personal example I'm 42 now yes I've aged well yeah I know but I can't compete with 25 year old Kezia like I was I I was a babe so if 25 year old Kezia walks in and 42 year old Kezia walks in apart from the MILF guys that small section of society most people would have just gone to 25 year old Kezia but I can sit and bitch about it and buy myself a cat I would never buy a cat. But <laughs> I could sit there and be miserable and go, look at men. Men are just so superficial. That's all they care about. I'm really intelligent. Why don't they like me? And they like that 25-year-old bimbo version of me. Yeah, I could sit there and say that. Or I could say, well, hold on. I've got other things that I need to work on here. I can't compete physically. So I've got to work on my sex appeal, my body language, my conversation skills. I've got to work on these things. You've got a choice. Either you quit, and become bitter, buy a cat or you take action, you, you be realistic. That's about being realistic is looking at the situation and say, what do I need to do in order to create a better outcome? short term and long term
0: well there's also that's a split you know not just in dating that's ev- that's everything there are some people who think who have that sort of feeling of like oh well I'm I've been dealt a rough hand there's nothing I can do and there are some people who who are like go getters you know and that's the sort of uh um I don't know someone like Jordan Peterson's always pushing for that he's like get up make your bed and all that sort of thing you know do something about it i was getting a bit overweight um a month ago, and I, I didn't re- notice it happening, but it just happened slowly. And I suddenly realised I was about Ew. yeah, I was about ten kilos <laughs> overweight. But I just I made an instant <laughs> decision and uh and and lost like ten kilos in the last month because I just yeah. stopped chocolate and and and. But some people can't won't, and they'll go like, "Oh, there's something wrong with me." but it, that is tempting because I almost sort of did feel a bit
1: there's something wrong with me I'm getting bigger and I don't know why <laughs> god that's denial
0: it is it is tempting you know because I sort of became a bit more slobby and I stopped like wearing nice clothes because I started to feel a bit like oh what's the point anyway and anyone do you start doing the Homer
1: Simpson thing <laughs> where you wore a dress in the
0: end <laughs> that was when he I <laughs> love it. That. You got so
1: big he just wore a dress <laughs> I love that, episode. I love that episode. <laughs> well,
0: episode. well, to an extent yeah because I was getting like bigger t-shirts and bigger things and I was just like oh these other t-shirts seem to have shrunk in the, in the wash and I think it then I had to sort of snap out of it. You're in denial, you yes. were. You're in denial. That's what happens, I think.
1: But that's. Yeah, it it does happen. With everything, dating, getting in shape, just bettering yourself. We all, like So many of us have been dealt a bad card in different areas of our lives. Some of us went to private schools. Some of us went to terrible state schools. Some of us come from broken families with the worst possible parents you could imagine. And some come from very loving parents. It's a bad start for the other one and a good start for that one. So what are you going to do? Sit there, hate on your parents, hate on the world? The thing is, there's always been the people... You could, you could literally divide the world into two and say the ones who take action, the ones who just accept it for what it is, and, and they don't take action and they don't do anything with themselves or, or better themselves. But the difference is, is that those people used to sort of just get on with it and you never heard from them. Now they've got platforms, you know, and they're they're, they're on these live chats and things in terms of like the dating or even in the, I've got to be careful here, but overweight women, like I've got to be careful here, but you know, this whole thing, like, I I don't want to put down, I don't want to put down overweight women. I don't, but you know, this whole thing, like I'm healthy and I'm morbidly obese, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a big platform now they've got saying that. And usually those people who are morbidly obese sort of, yeah, they quit dieting, they quit trying to get healthy, but they just sort of were quiet about it and got on with it. But now and it's it's like these I don't want to talk about it too much but it's like these d- dating guys or anti-dating they're now like say they're like got huge followings for the black pill and incel movements saying just give up quit they 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 are dressing up um f- quitting they're dressing up quitting as enlightenment that's what's dangerous because when you're in you experience enlightenment what happens is you take action you don't go down you know down a negative path, you go through a positive one, so
0: again, I think what you're describing is is the woke thing on one side of being over overweight and it's fine, be proud of whatever you are, do you don't have to do anything, and then the other side is sort of saying the same thing of like, well, you're shit anyway, give up, you're useless." And we're somewhere in the middle. We're saying, no, you can work on yourself. You can do... Let's progress. Let's. And, and that thing about yeah, the morbidly obese thing, again, there's, there's ways to talk about it and deal with it because there's also... I, I don't think it's good to encourage people to be like that. But then also, again, just to go back to Jordan Peterson when he said there was a woman...
1: But I also don't think you should be horrible yeah. to them. Sorry, this is no, very exactly. important. I don't like... I don't like it when people say, look at that land well about a fat woman or something. It's like, leave her alone. no, but they, they do. And I think leave her alone. You know, you don't know how she feels. Maybe she doesn't care. Maybe it's water off a duck's back. You don't know though. This person can be very fragile. I don't like humiliating people. I just also don't really want to be told that morbidly obese is healthy. It's it, I don't, it's like smoking is healthy. Like, what are you talking about?
0: Oh, no, I look like, like I said, I lost 10 kilos in the last month or two. I've, f- Feel better. I am, I am more healthier because I've eaten better.
1: Well, if you if you if you've done if you've got another ten kilos, you could have been in a Dove advert.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could have been in one of those. But yeah, that I don't know. Jordan, like Jordan P, was, he was very rude. That was my issue when he said that about the woman who was on the front cover of whatever it was. You know.
1: Yeah, I don't like I don't like insulting and being rude about people and make, making fun of them. I don't, and I don't like it. I you know I don't like it on women. I don't. I know. I know that it sounds like what well, men feel too. I know. I know, but. Women do get criticised criticizing their looks far more than men I find.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell people where can they go and get your stuff and your Twitter and your books and all the stuff.
1: (laughs) Uh, okay, so just go to the website, Kezia-Noble.com. I am on Facebook, Twitter. My Twitter account is more political, so I think that would bore some people. Um uh Instagrams, like loads of sexy photos of me. no it's the main thing is my website kezia-noble.com and my youtube channel if you just put in kezia noble okay uh, you'll find me on there
0: good everyone go do that especially if you're single but even if you're not you'll learn a bit about dating and what everyone's up to and all that kezia thank you so much for being on the edge
1: thank you for having me i really enjoyed it
0: Thank you to my guest, Kezia Noble, who was great fun to talk to and very elucidating with her information about social relationships and dating. Go check out her website. It's in the show notes. It's just kezia-noble.com for her course, her free ebook, and also a link to her YouTube channel, which is just her name. So do go support our guest and subscribe to her. Support this podcast too on patreon.com slash andrewgold, where you'll get ad-free episodes and occasional bonuses and things like that. Also, come say hi in the YouTube chat, which is alongside the video premieres of each episode, which is you know out on Monday and Thursday at 9pm UK time. That's 4pm Eastern. There's quite a crowd that gather and say hello. Not everyone you know uh, says hi. Some people lurk in the shadows and I don't even see their names or anything. But if you do want to say hello, there's a little chat box. Anyway, also, yes, thank you for reviewing the podcast. Please keep on doing so it's on Apple and that. On CastBox, actually, somebody called Heather wrote, Joining ISIS is unforgivable. No exceptions. That is in reference to my recent episode of Andrew Drury about Shamima Begum, uh, the, the woman who, at 15 years old, left the UK to join ISIS. And Heather says, No forgiveness. Anyway, that's all for now. Thank you, Heather, for commenting. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you next time when my guest is American psychologist Todd Cashton on the art of insubordination and social relationships and curiosity. See you then.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry?
0: Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah,